0: Welcome everyone to this week's episode on Inquisitor's Odyssey. We're your hosts, Sam and Tawanda. This episode is a continuation of our previous episode on the question of are we a snowflake generation? If you haven't listened to that, highly recommend you do to get a better context of what we will be discussing in this episode. Enjoy!
1: Maybe, but yeah, it's also one of the things that maybe you could say it's not that big a deal like if you're talking to someone who's not really good at english for example and they call you she by mistake right and you're a guy like you're not gonna take offense from that and those things can happen like not just as a slip of the tongue or just someone who's not really good with english or like there's so many scenarios where that could happen where it's not intended to be hateful or you're not biased in any way So, I mean, I definitely also wouldn't agree with making it some kind of law to protect. I do think there should be some provision for cases, because I think the C-16 bill specified that there should be evidence that shows that the action was motivated by bias or prejudice. Because, yeah, someone can make a mistake, but if someone is deliberately trying to be difficult to undermine another person just for the sake of them saying yeah sure okay you could say you don't believe that someone can self-identify or whatever but that already is being viewed in a very limited framework right like in i think is it in indonesia where they have in their language they have five genders you know there's like roughly translated it's like female masculine or masculine female or male male or female female or something because like they do recognize that not all men like physical men are gonna act like men you know there might be some more more feminine leaning and yeah some people would argue that even that is socially constructed but i don't think everything should just be binary You're either this or you're that, and if you're not that, then if if I say that okay, I wanna be called this, then you wanna say I don't wanna call you that, then we're kind of at a deadlock. But I feel like those who are refusing are just being unnecessarily difficult. It's like imagine if you had I don't know a female name, like a, a name that's more commonly known to be a feminine name, and then someone refuses to call you that because they say well your name is a female it's, it's a feminine name so i'm not gonna call you that it's like uh, that's kind of unnecessary
0: yeah i'm sure that's kind of a touchy subject but when you see like children when they're like 13 or 14 self-identifying is like whatever they feel like i i don't know i can't help but feel like i don't know i don't know how what to make of it do we think maybe with uh, a lot of other cases it's like yeah maybe the child doesn't really know that much at that stage maybe you might be a bit skeptical about a 13 year old girl that's identifying as a boy or like a 13 year old boy that's identifying as a girl it's it's pretty confusing to me so especially that's propagating in the media you're like yeah kids kids can see Yeah, I want to be a girl, or like I want to be a boy, and maybe that's where we're going to. Maybe you don't have to stick with what you're born with. You can take, yeah, these thirteen-year-old kids start taking pills that inhibit them from making these natural hormones because they just don't identify as that thing that they're born with. And uh, yeah, I, I just look at those things and. I don't know what to make of it. It's
1: it's very confusing to me. Yeah. Well, my two cents on that would be I don't even think people should need to identify as anything, right? Because I feel like where you have people now starting to have to try to change their, like, get hormone treatments or surgery or whatever to change their appearance, I think it's more like we can't really say certainly how it feels to be a certain gender. Like, you can't say, This is how it feels to be a guy or this is how it feels to be a woman but what you can say is how it feels to be treated as a man or as a woman so i think that's where the big distinction is because people are trying to be treated a certain way based on how they want to be treated like if i want to be treated if i was born physically as a woman but i want to be treated as a guy then that's when they would probably go through that that's what i think and I feel like that's a result of society's pushback on these people, like if you see a a guy wearing heels or makeup or nail polish or something, people are going to be so aggro towards that person and that's just going to eventually push them to say, okay, you know what, let me just change completely because in this state, in this kind of in-between state, people aren't really happy with that so i would say it's more people being concerned with how they're treated and less about let's say a 13 year old child knowing that oh i want to be a man or i want to be a woman or like i don't agree with the gender that they say they were assigned at birth but yeah i mean i remember hearing this joke it was it was about ben shapiro though they were saying ben shapiro is what happens when kids are never told that they're wrong at a young age like they just told oh yeah you're right you know you're right it's like whatever little opinion you have and people accept that and I don't know
0: but I I definitely agree that it's more about the the way the society treats them and they want to change that so that they can feel accepted with what they feel in accordance with what they feel and maybe a lot of those things are also shaped by their sexual preference it's not that they just feel like men but then if they're like attracted to a certain gender they might feel like yeah maybe I'm the opposite gender. yeah but it's confusing because they're anyways like I don't really know much about that but I just want to point out that this thing especially is something that's very new to this generation like this whole you know acceptance of non-binary genders so the previous generation will probably never understand what they go through and for the next generation this will be kind of like a norm so for the previous generation it would be like yeah these these guys are snowflakes like they can like i used i used, a, I used a he instead of a she and now they're crying like yeah they're they're snowflakes, but they'll never understand, and when they raise their, when those people raise their children, they'll instill in them that, I guess, respect for other genders, and they'll live a completely different life from the people that were discriminated because of their gender, and then that generation will also kind of be like a snowflake, because they, they'll never experience what the parent has, have experienced, like, they'll never, maybe even experienced a misused pronoun at all because we'll be accustomed to that and then when they do experience something like that then it will shatter them so slowly slowly it'll be like even the law i think will probably start moving towards you know just making sure everybody is out of harm's way in any way in any mental or physical way yeah and
1: I don't think that's the best way of dealing with pretty much anything, you know, because there will always be people who will not play by those rules. We have laws against theft or whatever, but people still steal. It's not really stopping them. They might do it discreetly and maybe some people might be deterred by those laws, but you will still meet people out there who will, who have a complete disregard for those whether they're laws or just social norms i think i understand that to a previous generation the current generation's problems are always gonna seem so like especially when you've had such a big change as like what happened with technology i feel like i could never understand someone who let's say gets into a depressive state because they didn't get enough likes on instagram
0: yeah exactly
1: (laughs) It, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me but you do hear that studies have shown that since the social media boom it's there's been an increase in anxiety depression and all of that and you can't necessarily say that because people are soft or are becoming soft i think it's just you know they're facing different problems it's just different problems that given enough time especially with something like social media it's something so new that it could be like i don't know like i'm pretty sure when i don't know the first person came along with cigarettes or whatever it was like the war people were showing those signs of the damage that they do and people were like oh there's snowflakes or something and then years later people actually start to say okay i can't believe this thing was normal and fine because this is terrible for you and you never know that could be where social media or the internet or at least parts of it end up on that pile of things that we look back on and say i can't believe that was something that we used to allow children to have access to
0: but it's funny because we already know that smoking can really can kill you and can shave off years of your lifespan every time you smoke but it's still Loud, like people can't smoke. Maybe social media will kind of still be like that. Maybe I'll be like, yeah, it can, it can really harm you, but do it. It's worth it. Responsibly, you know, like it's. <laughs> you tweet
1: uh, responsibly.
0: What do a tweet responsibly? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not sure if it's something that will just go away, but maybe they'll make it better
1: but yeah another aspect of why they say we're well not we but that the current generation is i might yeah could probably include us in that too that we're the snowflake generation is they say there's a lack of competition you know how i think in many places schools are starting to abandon proper grading systems and i think in our episode on education i was kind of pointing out how bad grading systems can be for child development and just self-esteem and everything and they've decided that a solution to that would just you know abandon those grading systems and tell every child that you know you're a winner you're good like everyone's a winner there are no losers and yeah i'm afraid of what that could lead to
0: (laughs) yeah um i think be be nice for the children and uh, maybe in the short term because they don't have to experience that but i mean there are there's there's competition on other levels but i suppose maybe when it comes to academia maybe you just don't want to discourage them that much maybe they might be struggling you know because different kids have different learning paces all learn the same way instead of fixing that they're just fixing the reaction to kids that do fall behind because of the lack of uh, i suppose diversity and inclusion for different types of learning methods so if you're not at least gonna fix that yeah just uh, don't maybe just don't discourage the kids by telling them yeah you got an an f for failure on the other hand, as well, it, it might seem like it, they're being coddled. Maybe they can learn competitiveness in other aspects of life instead of something that more about you trying to find your passion and pursuing it. You know, like yeah, you might try to study a certain subject and you're like you fail at it, you get an F, and it's like it, maybe it's it's kind of hurtful. But if, maybe you're you're just like not told you're a loser. You're just gonna be told. Yeah, maybe this isn't for you. I think there are other things you can explore. Yeah. But instead of like a straight up F, and you're like, oh, I'm so stupid.
1: But you have to admit that there's a a certainty, you know, that you get from seeing that F on your report card that's just saying, look, man, this isn't for you. And yeah, imagine a whole generation of kids who are just growing up being told, you know, you're good. Whatever it is you're trying, you're good. And i do think that failure is it's an important teacher yeah maybe something is not for you something you're not good at this thing but that's an opportunity for you to try something else and i think that part is what maybe i don't know if it's to say that we haven't emphasized that enough or something but there should be that you know teaching children that look when you fail at one thing you know it doesn't mean you're a failure in general and if you fail at this go try something else you know something different explore you'll find that one thing you might maybe you might not but you may find that one thing that you're good at but instead of doing that if you just give everyone the impression that oh hey there are no losers you're, you're all winners you're all good then i could go my whole life thinking that what i'm saying or what i'm doing i'm actually good at what i'm doing when the reality is that you're not and then you get to that point where you start that's when you you end up having these kids who are all depressed and they have anxiety because they con they've convinced themselves that they're good at what they do and then they don't get the or the expected approval like i remember i read this article well it's kind of different but i read this article where this ceo was saying he didn't give a candidate a job and the candidate's mother called him asking why he, the child didn't get the job and you think I, didn't. I mean that's just well it's unnecessary but if you've convinced your child that yeah. and you probably convince yourself to that they're good at what they do and they're great they're not a loser they're a winner then yes you will be shocked when they apply for a job and they don't get it and you're gonna want to
0: know why and i think that's like a whole different level of entitlement
1: exactly that that's it kind of breeds
0: entitlement that's the way i feel true yeah i can understand that and maybe i misunderstood the premise of the question Is it that even though they know the child is a failure, they told, like, (laughs) sorry, I didn't mean to say the child is a failure. I mean, even though that they know the child failed the class or like is not really performing at something, they tell them they're good. I I just understood it as, you know, they just see that the kid isn't maybe interested in it or they're not really good at it, but then they they don't tell them like you're a failure you ranked at the bottom of the class, you're like these guys are all above you, you know, they're better than you. But it's more like you know, there's no grading system, there's no like you're rank number one, good job, you ranked last, uh, bad job, or you finished before this guy, you're a winner, you finished before this guy, and you finished after this guy, you're a loser. Uh, it's more like even seeing an F in your report card, like A, B, C, like you guy got a b i got a c he must be better than me kind of thing i understood it as when even though they see that the child has failed at something they don't tell them their failure in other ways not directly like hey you're a failure but even in, in like the report card or something they just tell them you know just you know that maybe this isn't for you like you can try something and it doesn't mean that just because they felt that they don't have another chance they can still persevere if they just push through maybe you know like you still push them to go forward with it like if they're really interested and they're really interested to learn you're like yeah maybe you need to improve in these things you need to improve in those things but it's not like i make a mess and you tell me a hey, good job it's more like you, you make a mess but then you don't scold them or like anything you just tell them hey like you made a mess you know just clean it up try to improve
1: it's good yeah in this sense when you like you said when you abandon a grading system you say you don't get grades you don't get rankings and class and everything to me like you're saying with that example if you're making a mess it's like a kid makes a mess and you just go behind their back and you clean it up and you say oh it's okay it's fine nothing happened that kind of thing and I do feel like in a... no, I think you still have to address it yeah you
0: still have to like address it but then you don't Shout at them or you don't scold them, saying, like, hey, you're a failure, kind of thing. You just deal with it in a way that doesn't seem so hurtful.
1: But that's the thing. If, let's say, a student fails in class, you know, they're lowest ranked, they've got an F or something, and you don't have a grading system where they're told that. You're just told, okay, maybe your grade wasn't so good, but you know, it's okay. It's like, try try harder next time, something like that, where it's not if, fail, you know, like a big red F on your report card or something. I do feel like the way you process that is different.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if you didn't spend that much time in an academic setting, the, the F letter wouldn't mean that much to us. Seeing that as, you know, like a symbol of failure, it can be difficult to process for some people. And for some people it could be motivational some people uh, trying to grab that a could push them it's different for everybody but i'm just saying i can also see the merit for some people where they might not be able to deal with that with that situation where they'll just think they're stupid even though they're not and they'll just maybe not give it a real shot again because they'll be afraid of the response that they got before you know fails i guess a certain reactions, a certain reaction might come from the teachers or friends family and they just don't want to deal with that so it might i'm just saying it's understandable but it will definitely feel like you're coddling them because the real world doesn't really work like that because yeah if you're not good at your job you're gonna get fired that has consequences they are not gonna say oh yeah just i'm gonna pay you uh, for another year again and then you're gonna do better okay it's like you know you're not doing good you're out if if you experience that if you haven't even experienced failing a class like yeah you're you're in for a lot of misery yeah yeah
1: i think that's what that sheltering in whatever context it is it really doesn't prepare you for what you can call the harsh realities of the world it's once you go beyond that... Especially like you're saying, right? Like In an academic setting or when you're still in school... High school or something... If you're getting low grades... You know, it's something... Yeah, your teachers talk to you... They say you need to work hard and something... Then well, that's done. But when you're in the job market now... It's, it's something different. You know, these people are trying to make money... And if you're holding the whole group back... You have to go. And in some way we do... It's like early childhood is when you get to learn to deal with a lot of these things and if if let's say the people around you try to make sure that all of these harsh realities are kept far from you for let's say your whole childhood then because they are not avoidable you can't really avoid them at some point you will meet someone who will be mean to you someone who says something you don't want to hear or some someone who's gonna you're gonna find yourself in a situation where it's very competitive where you have to defend yourself and if you've been protected by everything around you then i do think you might struggle to to readjust
0: yeah i think the best thing you can do is help them deal with it in a way that doesn't hurt themselves so if somebody that's something mean to you teach them to be strong like it doesn't mean anything that there's just nobody just talking about what they don't know like you try to encourage them but i feel like it's sometimes seeing the amount of maybe people that commit suicide and even their close family members don't know about it at all yeah maybe you can try to encourage people to speak up about it but maybe that's not gonna happen maybe it gets to a point where they're just gonna kill themselves. So you're like, should I wait for my son to to open up and talk about bullying, or should I just make sure that he doesn't get bullied? So sometimes, yeah, maybe it doesn't prepare you for the real world. Sometimes you experience it so much that you end up not wanting to experience the real world at all, and you just kill yourself. So. For parents, I guess. kind of a tough situation
1: yeah it's understandable especially in situations where like it's not a reversible thing you could put your child out there you say hey look you know get bullied you know you'll be fine and then that overwhelms this child and then they kill themselves there's no reversing that but at the same time they say good roads don't make good drivers or improve the driver don't focus too much on trying to make a good road because it might not always be good and what happens when that road can be fixed for this driver like if you're just used to you know coasting through life everything is easy everything is handled for you then what happens when there's no one there to handle it for you true
0: i think the way to solve that would make sure that your child has enough confidence to come and talk to you about things as a parent. I feel like communication is the cornerstone for basically any kind of relationship, whether it's a business relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's a parent and child relationship. If you don't know what's going on in your child's life, if you don't know what they're going through, then you can't really help them prepare for the bad things when they do come. It's like, yeah, you can tell them to go out there and get bullied, he doesn't tell you about it for you to like advise them or help them through it it's like he ends up experiencing that all by himself and like you said it's not a reversible thing even if he doesn't kill himself he just keeps it quiet that that can take a toll on your mind as well, even in in the long run that will also affect the way the next generation is how they raise their children yeah my mom just let me get bullied but i'm not gonna let my son experience what i experienced no more bullies think able to foster a very good line of communication between the parent and the child where they know what's going on and that will probably help them prepare the child for whatever is to come but then you know you get to teenage years and you're like leave me alone mom like you know (laughs) don't come to my room just i don't want to i don't want to deal with you i feel like that's the most hardest part for any parent yeah just letting go after they've tried to prepare them that's just and then yeah i mean it's kind of complicated as well because you know you can tell them all about it and you can talk about bullies and they may not experience it throughout their early childhood and then you get to your 13 you hit puberty and you just don't want to deal with your parents at all and then you get bullied you're like just keep it in Yeah, there's so many
1: variables to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. I mean it's not at all easy being a parent. But I think what may be leading to this notion of us being a snowflake generation is that as a parent it's like you raise your child and you give them these skills that they need to go out and face the world. Then at some point you trust them enough to be able to use the tools you've given them and i think if there's less of that trust or not giving them skills but just paving the world for them so that they don't need to become hardened or anything then yes it might give this impression of a snowflake generation but i do think there's just also a a part where we understand human psychology better and that has made us more conscious of what you say to people how you treat them and it's not necessary that they're becoming snowflakes but what else are we striving towards if it's not to make the world
0: easier for people and yeah that is that is true and as a result of that the hardships that they never experience when if they do experience it it'll be hard to deal with naturally because it'll be like the first time you get punched in the face it's like it's gonna hurt much more than if you've taken a beating before right
1: maybe depends
0: maybe yeah i think as i said before when the generations overcome those hardships and they try to better the the lives of their children than when they don't experience those hardships the other generation will consider them to be like snowflakes so i don't think it's our just our generation i think every generation after that will be a snowflake version of the previous generation so i think what we've seen today is more about the importance of how you raise your children and it's important to find a middle ground where you're preparing them for the world but also not just letting them loose and experience everything and get overwhelmed so i think i think yes we are becoming soft but we just need to learn that it is kind of the natural process as things get better kind of shelter ourselves from previous hardships as you said what's the point if we're not trying to make our lives better
1: I think we can all agree that this is an ongoing discussion and we've only just scratched the surface here. We've come to the end of this episode but it doesn't end here. Feel free to get in touch with us on social media with your thoughts and opinions to keep the conversation going from wherever you are. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next one.